this is our grand opening month. This is our, uh, of course, our third week into it, and we have uh, been cruising along on a sermon series. And on this series, with it, this being our grand opening month, we thought it was just made some sense to just look at a subject called open. Because really, folks, when it, when it all boils down, the only way life change really happens in mine and your lives is when we begin to open to God. The first week we looked at open ears, where we first just have to purpose within ourselves to find out what God has to say on the subject. We have to be willing to listen. And so and a lot of times, especially uh, you wives know that just because the, the ears are present doesn't mean it's being heard. And so I get in trouble for that all the time. And, uh, and so you have to learn that listening is a skill. And we have to purpose to listen to God and say, God, what do you have to say on the subject? And then we looked at last week. The next part is once we've heard what he has to say, so we have to actually open our hearts to it and say, you know what? I'm going to make that truth my truth. I'm going to make what God says controls things. I'm going to say that's what's my paradigm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that in my heart. And then this week, we're looking at the next step. Because a lot of times we'll grab things and it'll become part of our heart before it becomes part of our thinking, of our natural thinking, reasoning process. And today, we're going to look at an open mind. Because <clears throat> see, as we move forward in allowing God's truth to shape our lives, we open our ears and then our hearts and finally our minds. See, uh, <clears throat> the Bible tells us that God's people, now these are God's people, perish because of lack of knowledge. That they, they, in, they have bad things happen to them simply because they don't understand, because they don't know. So that's why we wanted to start the process with opening our ears. And then we will open our hearts, and now we finally want to open our minds. Proverbs tells us that as a man thinks, so is he. The way you think determines who you are. As a person, but our personality, all of that comes out of our thinking process. And we have to begin to, to really reshape the way we think so many times because it's going to determine the outcome. Because what you think, the way you think something works is the way you're going to interact with that thing. And if you're thinking wrong, you're going to get the wrong results. 2008 for the Clark family was pretty much... One huge, wonderful, crazy trip. And so we uh, launched out and uh, loaded up. I've got uh, five kids. My wife and I loaded up our five children in a 39-foot motorhome and stuck our Suburban on the back and had our two dogs. And we hit the happy trail. We traveled around for um, the bulk of 2008. And the purpose is we were on a mission and it's because we knew that God had an assignment for us. And here we are at our launch of our assignment. And what we were learning, we didn't realize we were going to be in San Angelo at the time. We didn't know where we were going to be. We thought we might drive into some one of these communities we were visiting and just go, wow, this is where we're supposed to be. This is where God wants us to, to sink our lives into. But as we were traveling around, we were visiting a bunch of different churches. And just to see how... God did things in different things. And we were in so many different denominations and saw God move in so many wonderful, different 
unique ways. And we walked away with an appreciation of just what God does overall in the church as a whole. And so that it's not pigeonholed to just one way of doing things. That God is interested in touching people and connecting with people wherever, whether it is, whether it is downtown with the stained glass and steeples, which is wonderful, or whether it is across a town in a movie theater where we're having popcorn and it's a little bit more laid back. The environment is not what it's about. It's about the heart connection in opening ourselves up and allowing God to change us from the inside out. Well, on this trip, of course, we had, I'd never had a motorhome before, never done that whole motorhome thing. And uh, so we got this thing, and they've got more buttons. I mean, I'm telling you, I think the space shuttle has fewer buttons than these motorhomes do. It's just, it's just ridiculous. There are all these systems, all these different things, and everything has to be hooked up just right. So I got my video camera because I know I had one shot, and I had the guy that we bought it from. He was showing me how to do a thing, and I videoed every process. Okay, tell me what we're doing. He video, I videoed it. And there was one of the simple things is, of course, you know, you, when you pull up somewhere, you know, you want, your, you want your house that you're living in to be level. So it was cool because it had these, like, auto leveling systems. The old school kind, you had to, like, get out with a crank, you know, and kind of crank it down and do it yourself. But this, it was just a one-touch button where the auto levelers would come down and, and adjust. Well, somewhere along the way, I, I thought that I really understood the way that happened, and uh, I didn't fully understand the auto leveling system. So one of our first stops was we decided that, because it was, it was painful, it was sad, we, we very much missed everybody, we were leaving. And so we went to go have some fun right quick. So we went to and stayed in Rio Doso, and uh, ran over to Al- Almogordo and went to a wonderful church in Almogordo and uh, saw learned a lot there. But then we skied. So we were, we were just taking it for Jesus out on the slopes. <laughs> and uh, so it was a blast. My kids got to learn how to ski. Well, of course, Riodoso is in the mountains. So the, the campsite, they tried to level it, but they carved it out of the side of a mountain. And so they did the best they could. So as we pulled in, it was just a little bit bottom heavy. It was just sloped a little bit to the bottom. So I would sit there and do everything that I knew to do, and I'd push the button, and it would do all of it. And it would do its like a transformer type thing and adjust. And when it was all said and done, it was still off. It was still done. And man, I would undo it and redo it. And I would undo it and redo it. And every time... It was off, so I was like, well, we're just kind of stuck with this deal. And so we, we lived in a fun house for a couple of weeks. I mean, you couldn't set anything down. It, the, the table would just kind of start to whoosh. Everything was, everything was just off a little bit. And then you start having to adjust your world and the way you interact with this off-kilter life. And the thing is, so then you're having to kind of walk with this kind of built-in limp to come down, and then when it's time to go down to the bedroom, you're kind of walking down like this. It was just, it was just, it was just all messed up. And uh, after a little while, we kind of got used to it. You understand? You just don't sit your coffee on the edge. It's going to end up in the in the floor. You just begin to to make adjustments, and it begins to like, okay, well, off kilter is normal. Well, then we found out that finally I read the instructions. 
Yes. Two weeks. It only took me two weeks to finally bust out. I'm telling you, it was an intimidating. That manual, I am not joking. That manual on that thing was that thick. I am not kidding. It was huge. It was in this ginormous ringed binder. Wasn't stapled together at the corner or something. It was huge. And I finally dove into that thing and figured out that for that thing to work properly, the motorhome motor had to be running. The, the engine had to be running. So as soon as I had it running, I left it running while we did this. Then perfect. Every time. Absolutely. Well, then you got to readjust to life because then you're like ready to like step off and and it feel weird, and it's it's perfect, and you got to readjust to life. See, the thing is, is that as we have to adjust our thinking patterns, whenever we come to whenever we come to God, we come to Him from a perspective of living a life that's skewed to God's principles. And guess what? You and I naturally adapt. We adjust. We begin to call things okay that aren't. Well, it's all right that I walk like this. That's just. Everybody walks through their house like this. You just have to. No, that's off. It's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. Things aren't level. Things aren't adjusted. And then as God begins to come in and shift things, we then have to readjust. And then the right feels weird. I'm telling you, as you begin to come into the things of God, and God begins to bring in and adjust that heart level, your mind begins to go, wait a second, I'm, I'm not used to interacting like this. Man, somebody just shot me the bird and i got to be nice? No, 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 that's what the turbo is for. It's to, whoom, hit it, catch them, ask them to pull over, and we're going to have a little discussion. That's what all that's about. No, I'm supposed to be nice, I'm supposed to pray for them. Say, oh, Lord, they must be an amputee. They must have lost all their fingers but one. Lord, that poor person, they were waving at me and they're missing all but one finger. Lord, I just ask for a miracle. Oh, so we're supposed to begin to act in a different way and it just doesn't always set well. And we have to change the way that we think. See, our hearts get on board before our thinking patterns actually shift. Paul was honest with us on his own frustrations with this step. I so appreciate this about the Bible. It is so raw, honest. As we track through the Bible, I'm telling you, man, you read some stuff that just creeps you out. You're like, man, Bible people did this stuff? Man, that is just messed up. Why would God put that kind of stuff in the Bible? It was because it was the truth. It's the way it happened. And God walked them through it. They were human. I'm telling you. It's okay that you and I are trying to be Christians. The first ones were just as human as you and I are. Peter chopped the guy's ear off. You know what? I've never done that one. Thought about it. Never done it. I'm telling you, it's just raw. It's just raw, honest. And you know what? That's, that's That's the baseline of where you and I move forward. Is when we get raw, honest with God. Let's look here at Romans chapter 7, verse 15. It says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. 
But what I hate, I do. How many of us have been in that position before? I mean, here's the Apostle Paul. He's in the same spot. It had got into his heart. He wanted something else. You can't want something that's not in your heart. It got into his heart. He began to want something else. But yet there was still this action that was coming out that didn't line up with what his heart was crying out for. And that step what, where, where it got missed is in that, the thinking pattern. Let's look down, and we're going to jump down a few verses down here in Romans 7, 22 through 25. It says, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members, with what, what makes me up. What a wretched man I am. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself and my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. His waging war in his mind. That was where this battle was taking place. And so you and I have to allow God not just to, to come in and shift our heart, and now we start wanting different things, but then we've got to open up our mind to where we start thinking different ways. Because the thinking pattern, it has to shift. It has to shift. And we so get programmed. We get programmed by life. This week, I was, uh, I was under the weather. Whatever the, the crud was going, I don't know. I saw the doctor. My wife was like, so what, what was the diagnosis? I don't know. He said, do you want pills or do you want a shot? And I said, he said, the shot's going to make you healthy faster. Give me the shot. So she's like, you don't know what you had? No, I don't know what I had. I just want to get fixed. I don't care what I had. I want to get fixed. And, uh, but anyway, so I, I, you know, I, I, wanted to get, I wanted to get healthy. I knew we were going to have this this weekend. I didn't want to be up here all sad and decrepit and coughing and hacking. And uh, so I chose the shot in this moment of clarity and understanding and wisdom. I chose the shot. And then the doctor stepped out of the room. And I recognized that they were going to get the shot ready. Now, I'm a 35-year-old man, 35 years old. The needles today are thin and super sharp, and these nurses are good at poking you in places you don't want to be poked. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and making it not hurt. But you know what? As I'm sitting there waiting, I'm 35 years old. And as I'm waiting on them to prepare this shot and to bring it in, I revert back to being five years old. I wanted to raise my hand and say, huh, you know, I was kidding about the whole shot thing. You know, I think the pills will be good. I'm, I'm sure those are good pills. And I'm, I'm not that sick. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel better. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, I just, all of a sudden, that, that fear of, from being five, because you know what? I hadn't had a shot in a long, long time. Not probably since I was a kid. 
And so all of a sudden, that, that just came back to me. That way of thinking began to flood my mind again, and I began to interact not based on a place of reason, knowing that this shot, even if it does hurt, it's going to be over and done, and it's through, and I'm going to feel better quicker. No, all of a sudden, I'm interacting with it like I'm a five-year-old kid. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad when that nurse came in that she didn't see me just kind of shudder a little bit. She pulled that big old thing out, and I'm telling you, it's a big old needle. You give, if you get a steroid shot, that's a serious thing, man. And then the nurse, is, the nurse is not helping anything at all. Because as she is shoving it in, she goes, oh, I can feel this going down my own leg. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be saying soothing things? Aren't you supposed to be like, she's like wincing and back. I just know she's back there making faces. She's not looking. Man, one of us has got to look. I'm telling you, was, all of a sudden I was five years old again. It was because my thinking patterns around getting a shot were framed when I, where I was four, five, six years old. And I was needing to have my thinking pattern shifted. And I had to grab a hold of myself and say, Brandon, be a big boy. <laughs> Maybe they'll give you a lollipop. <laughs> you know, they <clears throat> for years and years, they had to... Uh, uh, with the police, and I've, I've never been a policeman, but I've been told that for years and years the, the police would go out to the range and they would practice. And they would go out there and they would practice and practice and do all their shooting. And then when it was all said and done, the common practice for them to shag their breasts, to pick up their breasts whenever it was done. And they would pick it up. And then finally somebody had the brilliant idea to tell them to quit that. Leave the brass alone and we'll let somebody else come pick up the brass. Because in the heat of the battle out on the streets, there were too many policemen getting shot while they were bent over picking up their brass. And you think, how silly would it be that somebody would sit there in the heat of the moment throwing bullets at a bad guy would then clean the area up when in the middle of it? That doesn't make sense. But the way you train, the way you program yourself to think is the way you act in the heat of the moment. You know what? So many times, you and I, we don't act right in confrontation because we've never programmed ourselves to have healthy, adult, grown-up Christian confrontation. The last time we had a confrontation, when we, we was 14 years old, in the 8th grade, and we finally, it was just no other choice, then we just went, popped them. So then we just suppress it and suppress it and suppress it. We've never had a grown-up confrontation. We ignore it. And then we don't understand why, when we're in our 30s, that we st can't have an adult discussion over something without wanting to just knock them in the face. Why? Because we've never reprogrammed. We've never changed the way we think in those things. We have to enter a place where we begin to grow up and change the way we think on different things. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You know, it's one thing to just have it, just even our heart, just be full of a passion and a desire for God. But we also have to have our thoughts, our thinking patterns, wrapped around God's way of doing things. 
We have to allow his thoughts to be our own thoughts and love him even with the way we think, even with our minds. Matthew 5, 8 says you're blessed, and we looked at this last week. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. That's from the message translation. We're blessed when we get our inside world put right. When we allow that, our mind and our heart begin to shift. Our, our thinking patterns begin to shift. And then we can see God at work, at work all the time in our lives. Because see, the truth is, is that we need for our minds to be renewed. They need to be renewed. And being renewed is being brought back to an original. It's exactly what it says. Renewed. Whenever it is new, it is brand new. It is perfect. It is the way it was supposed to came off the showroom floor. From the manufacturer. Everything working. Everything in place. See, the, that's the deal. Is we come into this world under a fallen system. Under a sinful nature. We come into this world broken. And it takes God to take us to the place where we should have been all along and renew us. See, my, uh, my favorite car, I, I love cars. I've always loved cars. I mean, when I was a, a kid, I just I had my, my wish list with the, you know, the Porsche 911s and the Ferraris and the, and the Lamborghinis and all of those different things. I've been a car guy all my life, and so I, I don't. I have five children, so I chose children over cool cars. <laughs> and, uh, but I still am a car guy at heart. I, I love cool cars. And my first car, I was so blessed to have my dream car as my first car. And I had a fully restored, a fully renewed 67 Mustang. That car was just incredible. That car was just awesome. And it, it was my, my dad it was, had just had a moment of insanity and uh, bought that car. He says for himself, but I, I'm the one that drove it and had tragedy with it and all, all sorts of stuff that's for another day. Uh, but when my dad went to take this car and change titles, my dad is sitting there and this man is in his 40s. And the man had, had bought the car and it was initially this ugly nasty green color and he'd got it completely redone the interior he was a he was a great mechanic had re, had gone through the engine had done all sorts of stuff to this work had painted it acapulco blue Ooh, greatest color on the face of the planet and i uh, had a uh, had a uh, three coats of paint and seven coats of clear i'm telling you, you just wanted to lick this car it was just <laughs> incredible this car was gorgeous. It glowed dirty. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it was just, it was just beautiful. It wasn't it? The car was gorgeous. That's my sister. She knows. <laughs> the car was gorgeous. But my dad is going to buy this car from this man who had gone through and had restored and renewed this car. And there is this, this grown man in his 40s signing the title over and exchanging money, and he cries. He cries at selling that car. Why would a man 
in his 40s cry over selling a car. It's because he had poured himself into that car. He had seen it come about from what it had been and it had been a labor of love to see and, and release its potential. I can only imagine what he, how much he cried months later when he heard what I did to him. But it was this labor of love. See, God is that way with us. He saw us in that raw potential form. He has seen us in that way. And God wants to pour that kind of love, but on a way bigger level, into our lives. He so wants to see us renewed, and we have to embrace it and allow our minds to begin to shift. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I loved it because as I was sitting there waiting on my shot in the doctor's office, uh, I looked over and there was, I'd already had my notes all done, already knew what I was, we were going to be covering today. And, and I looked over and there on the calendar, the scripture for, the, for in his care was Romans 12.2. I was like, okay, we're going, well, at least I'm in the right doctor, so maybe they won't hurt me too bad with a shot. Anyways, Romans 12.2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love the way that the message translation reads. It says, do not become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. You'll readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. But we have to allow him to renew our minds. And you know what? A lot of times that is just uncomfortable because we're used to thinking one way. We're used to interacting with a limp. We're used to walking on a, on a, on a crooked floor. We're used to doing those different things. And when God begins to shift it, it throws us off a little bit. And you know what? That is the part that we call faith. When we say, God, you know better than I do. I don't care what this feels like. Your truth is the only truth for me. I don't care how awkward this is. God, I want to embrace what you want. And I know that as this time goes, as you renew and you change my heart, at some point, I'm going to be walking level and normal on what you call right. And you and I have to make sure that we stay with the process. We have to stay with it. The answer is found and having a daily choice to keep our minds open to God. It happens every day. You know, folks, I so wish, you know, that you could come in here and we could spend an hour together every, every week and that things just kind of get whoosh, just kind of get fixed. You know what? I wish it was that way, but it's not. Because you know what? The bulk of our thinking, the bulk of our life, the bulk of our choices happens outside of when we all get together. And that's where the transformation happens, is there. 
where we're making our decisions, where we're interacting with life, when things are coming at us and we're choosing to respond to it like God says, even though it feels funny. And that's when life transformation really begins to happen. See, Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, bro- <coughs> I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, ho- holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Again, we're going to look at the message translation of that verse. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. See, it is a wonderful thing to get up a little early on a Sunday morning and to scramble to get the kids together and to find those shoes that hide. Kids' shoes hide like crazy. They got five kids, and I'm telling you, you just ought to buy extra shoes for Sunday mornings because they just vanish. And it just makes your blood boil. You're like, we're going to go to church. We're going to worship God. You better find your shoes. (laughs) Just screaming at them. And, uh, and so, and it's one thing to sacrifice that and, to, and to, to be here on a Sunday morning. But you know what? One of our greatest gifts we can give to God is tomorrow, is Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Whenever we say, God, I want to give you today. Show me how to interact with today. I've got to go to work and, and deal with that guy that you know drives me up the wall, Lord. You know how he just pushes my buttons. God, show me how to deal with that. Lord, you know that today's schedule is crazy and it just it bothers me that we got to be in so many places. Lord, help me, help me to deal with that. Lord, you know, Lord, that I, that I want to be a better spouse, but I get so tired during the day. God, sh- show me what I can do tonight. To show my spouse how important they are to me. Lord, help me to see the people around me. Lord, so that I can show them how much you love them. This morning is a wonderful sacrifice. Coming together is a wonderful thing. But our lives and our minds really begin to shift. When we begin to say, God, I want to give you every day. Show me how to interact with today. My everyday eating and sleeping, walking around life. I want to give that to you. As boring as it sounds, God, I want to give that to you. God, do something with that. That's when things really begin to shift. And see, we've got to choose to stick with the process. As we do that, God will take us where we need to be. Philippians 1.6 says, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, my job as, as a pastor, as a church leader, is to simply encourage you to stay connected with God and to love you while you're still going through the, going through the stuff. Understand that you're not going to get it all right today, and I'm not going to get it all right today, but 
as we go, we're both going to get better and better and better at this as God begins to change us from the inside out. But it starts with having a relationship with God. So this morning as we close, I'd just appreciate it if everybody just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. And we want to give anybody here who 